Well, normally on this uh, Sunday before Thanksgiving, I, I like to have a message that really does focus on uh, being thankful and being aware of those things that we take for granted throughout the year and taking time to express our thanksgiving. And yet, for some, um, for some reason in this season, as we uh, approach Thanksgiving, simply uh, focusing on giving thanks, um, simply focusing on Thanksgiving doesn't seem sufficient, and even in some sense, not even appropriate. Uh, I think I'm ever more aware this year as we enter the Thanksgiving season, as we enter the Advent season, these seasons where we talk about Thanksgiving and hope and joy and love and of peace and all of these feel-good emotions. I find myself worrying just a bit whether sometimes our words and our message might sound more hollow, more flippant, more superficial, and even out of touch with reality. In this season, especially in these last few weeks, I have found myself swinging between deep lament and great thanksgiving, between a sense of grief and sorrow and a sense of joy and thanksgiving. I don't know about you, but I might get up in the morning and I might take my, uh, my quiet time, um, of course, first grabbing my um, glass of iced coffee, for which every morning I am thankful for, um, sit in my chair and, and just take time to read a devotional, just take time to reflect on God's goodness, just to give thanksgiving for the fact that this is a new morning and a new day for which God's mercies are afresh and anew every day. An opportunity uh, to begin with a clean slate and to touch the lives of other people. Looking forward to the day with great hopefulness and anticipation of what God might have in store on that day. And then as the day progresses, I might find myself in different conversations, in conversations with folks in which I'm celebrating their joys and at the same time hearing their sorrows and their hurts. I may find myself in the afternoon, in the midst of grief and sorrow, as it yet one more phone call to hear of someone whom I care for deeply, who has uh, now has COVID, has underlying issues, and we are uncertain of the outcome, to hear of those who may be hospitalized, wondering whether or not they will be restored to health once again. And then I, I might get a text from my daughter-in-law with new pictures of our newest grandson. Or, or my daughter and son-in-law may give us a video call in which I see my a rambunctious two-year-old grandson running all over the place and joy and thanksgiving return. And I hold together this grief and sorrow this joy and thanksgiving. And I don't know about you, uh, but at the end of these days, I find myself 
more tired and worn out than I ever experienced before. Because all of these emotions and all of these experiences fill the depths of my being. This is what it looks like to be a human being in these times and in these situations. And so, I find myself sitting with God at time, lamenting, grieving, and in sorrow for a world that needs to be made right. Hoping and praying for cures, not just to COVID, but to heart disease and to cancer. Grieving for those who find themselves in nursing facilities and places where they have little control whatsoever of not only what they do, but who they see feeling isolated. Grieving for those who are out of work and have never experienced these circumstances who are struggling just to make ends meet. Not even wanting to ask for help. Grieving and sorrowing because of the hatefulness and the divisiveness that seems to be so prevalent in our society these days. Longing and begging for God uh, to make love and understanding and tolerance and unity much more prevalent than at least what I seem to see. And at the same time, while I sit with God and I lament and I offer up these sorrows and these griefs, at the same time, I give thanks to God. I give thanks to God for the house that I have that keeps me warm and provides me with a sanctuary. I give thanks to God for a pantry and a refrigerator that are filled with food. I give thanks to God uh, for a committed staff who comes alongside of me each day uh, to, to just help and guide and make decisions. I thank God for an understanding wife who has learned that when I come home and I vent, she just listens and doesn't try to fix it or solve it. She's just there. I thank God for creative people who just continue in the midst of circumstances to look and to seek ways to serve God and to serve neighbor. And I experience the sorrow and a grief and a joy and a thanksgiving all together. This year, maybe more than any other, I am aware that not only this season, but maybe all of life, we need to learn better how to create space for both lament and thanksgiving. From moment to moment, not just from season to season. For you see, if all we do is lament, if all we do is, is grieve and sorrow over the brokenness in the world, then we will become bitter, we will become hopeless, we will become people who aren't very fun to be around. 
And yet at the same time, if, if all we do is a focus on thanksgiving, I'm afraid that we can become callous. I'm afraid that sometimes our superficial efforts to create thanksgiving and joy suppress that which is underneath and even lead us to be angry. I think of one person who, who uh, um, we're going to read this passage from Philippians soon that says, rejoice always. And, and I think of this one person who told me, well, we should never be sad or sorry as Christians. We should always be joyful and, and thankful. And, and this person did their very best to put on that facade. And yet sometimes they were the most... Um, how do I say this nicely? Um, they, they could be the most depressing person to be around because it was apparent that it was a facade, that underneath there was an anger, uh, there was this inability to celebrate the joys of others because they were so busy generating um, this, this false thankfulness in everything uh, because of their own circumstances, they couldn't celebrate the goodness that was going on in the lives of other people. And so it is important that we hold together in this time both lament and thanksgiving. And so as I thought about that this week, I, uh, a couple of passages that come to mind. I started with um, Philippians. For some reason I'm at Colossians. Philippians chapter 4. Beginning at verse 4, these will be familiar words to us. I remind us always as we read these letters to Paul. Remember, Paul's writing these letters in prison. Um, you know, he's, he's not writing these letters at a, at a party. He's writing them from prison. And this is what he says. Be glad in the Lord always. Again, I say be glad. Let your gentleness show in your treatment of all people. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything. Rather, bring up all your requests to God in your prayers and petitions, along with giving thanks. Then the peace of God that exceeds all understanding will keep your hearts and minds safe in Jesus Christ. From now on, brothers and sisters, if anything is excellent, if anything is admirable, uh, focus your thoughts on these things. All that is true, all that is holy, all is just, all that is pure, all that is lovely, and all that is worthy of praise. Practice these things. Whatever you learned and received and heard or saw in us, the God of peace will be with you. Now, my intent was to read this passage and to, and to talk about the importance of gratitude and being glad and rejoicing, uh, not because of circumstances, but um, in spite of circumstances, to rejoice because of God's presence. And as I, um, as I moved along, I couldn't help but to think of, of, of some of the Psalms. And when Paul says, um, to take everything to God, when he says to be glad and he, he, and he says to release our anxieties, he's not talking about just shoving them under the rug and, and acting like they don't exist, I don't think. I think he's talking about being able to pray some of the Psalms. And, and I don't know about you, poetry is not one of my, fav it's not one of my most favorite things. Um, I have a hard time understanding poetry. 
Uh, but one thing I love about poetry is the emotion uh, that we hear and feel. And, and even if you struggle with poetry like I do, you have to hear the emotion and the feelings. And so um, this passage uh, from Psalm 130 is just an example of one of the psalms. I'm going to read it out of the message because I think Eugene Peterson um, puts this in such contemporary language for us to hear. Uh, but this is what Psalm 130 says. Help! Help, God! The bottom has fallen out of my life. See, I think this is what Paul means when he says, take our anxieties to God. He doesn't mean just act like they don't exist. He means, tell God, I need help. Let God know you feel like the bottom has fallen out. Master, hear my cry for help. Listen hard. Open your ears. Listen to my cries for mercy. Ah. <sighs> If God kept records on wrongdoings, what, what, or who would stand a chance? As it turns out, forgiveness is your habit, God. And that's why we worship and praise you. I pray to God, my life of prayer, and I wait for what He will do. My life's on the line before God, my Lord. Waiting and watching until morning, waiting and watching for morning, for the darkness to break. Oh, Israel. And here the psalmist invites others to join with him. Oh, Israel, wait and watch for God. With God's arrival comes love. With God's arrival comes generous redemption. No doubt about it. He will redeem Israel. He will buy back Israel from their captivity. Hear the words of God this day. Allow them to sink in and to speak to the deepest depths of your being. And as we hear these words, let them challenge us this Thanksgiving and this Advent season to create space for both lament and for thanksgiving. How might we do that? First of all, be like the psalmist. Embrace and confront um, the brokenness, not only our own brokenness, but the brokenness of the world. Take it before God and let God know that you grieve over it. In some ways, I think if we are unable to grieve and to offer sorrow and to lament, that it makes us unable to appreciate what other people might be going through. And so it is good for us to confront and to embrace that brokenness, our own and the world's. Acknowledge it. Cry out to God about the help that we need in the circumstances that we find ourselves. Go to, the, go to the book of Psalms. 
find a psalm like 130 or another psalm um, like it that begins often with this crying out to God about the circumstances being unbearable and wanting God to take some action to make them go away. And if you notice these psalms, they go through this transformation where the psalmist shares their grief and in some sense in releasing what they're experiencing to God, uh, their heart becomes begins to be softened and they begin to offer up a renewed trust in God. They begin to remember those times when God has delivered in the past, when God has touched their soul in the past, and they ask for God to come again, and they give praise and thanksgiving in anticipation of God arriving with His redemption and His deliverance and His love and His grace once again. Release those things that that we hold in. Don't shove them under the rug. Don't hold them in, but release them to God. Share them with God. And then I think it's also good that we are aware of our own tendencies when we experience grief and sorrow. Do we just try to run away and hide and escape in ways that are unhealthy? Uh, Do we just... Uh, seek to do things uh, that make us forget them momentarily even though they still exist? Or do we willingly embrace and confront those things which cause sorrow and grief and distress? And then as we allow this time for lament, for grief and sorrow, let us also create ways for thanksgiving. Maybe even while we're in the midst of of lamenting and grieving and sorrow, maybe somebody else will be brought to mind who might be experiencing the same thing. And maybe it will lead us to reach out to them simply to, to let them know, I see you. I love you. I want to come alongside of you. Not just some um, little uh, conversation that says, oh, just cheer up, it's nothing but a conversation that says, I I get it. And I just want to know I stand with you and alongside of you. And I will not abandon you and neither will the God that we worship and we serve. It's important in these times that we also indeed truly take time to be intentional about identifying those good things that are happening in our lives. Especially the things that we take for granted. Are we able in these times to give thanksgiving for a simple phone call that we received from somebody? Are we able to give thanksgiving uh, for a card or, or simply for an interaction that is put in our place? As an example, last night I was, I, I was sitting and thinking of, um, of, of Phyllis LeBrant who had had surgery this week and I realized I hadn't checked up to see how her, how her surgery went. And I thought, well, it's too late to call Phyllis and CA, you know, they might be in bed. But I'll call Steve and Margaret because they'll be awake. And I give them a call to check on Phyllis and lo and behold, uh, Sarah and the kids are there. And I get to speak to Carter and to Sarah and to Steve and to Margaret. 
And I was thankful for that, that moment in which I thought that I was going to be doing ministry and checking up on somebody, and my soul was ministered to as I spoke to them and as I heard their voices. Can we be thankful for those precious moments? Can we be thankful for those times? Can we be thankful when good things happen to other people and when we are invited in ministry to our community and the world? You see, in this season, let us learn to hold lament and thanksgiving together. Let us learn uh, that grief and sorrow and joy and thanksgiving can be all bundled up at the same time. Let us stop trying to contrive and manufacture joy and thanksgiving. Trust me, when I hear from my grandkids, there is no manufacturing or contriving that has to happen. It is a gift from God because He knows those things which give me joy and He places them in the midst of my life so that I might experience the whole bundle together. And so in this season, in this season, let us not try to shove the grief and the sorrow behind us and just proclaim, I'm joyful and I'm happy and I have peace and love, but let us acknowledge that they're all going on within us. And truth be told, they, they make us whole. Because when we experience grief and sorrow, we are better able to come alongside other people. And we are better able to be thankful for the large and the small that we experience. This Thanksgiving, do give thanks, but also take time to lay before God what weighs heavy on your soul. And you might discover that the joy and the thanksgiving reach heights that you might have never expected simply because you release that sorrow and that grief and acknowledge that God is with us in the good times and in the bad times, in the sorrow and in the grief and in the joy and in the thanksgiving. And for that, and for that, the people of God should give thanks. Can you say, thanks be to God? We are not alone. God is with us. May you never forget that this day or any day. Amen. Gracious God, as we gather in this space, indeed, Lord, hear our words of grief and sorrow. Create and offer us those moments of joy and thanksgiving that we may know your presence in its fullest in every moment. In, in Christ's name, amen. I invite you at this time as we, uh, as we come and, and we um, sing for the beauty of the earth, uh, I invite you, whether you're at home or here, uh, to offer not just your tithes and your offerings, but to offer your whole selves to God. All of your emotions, all of your being, 
offer them to God and know that he is big enough to handle it all. Amen.